is my humble honor today to introduce really who, who is possibly um, the nearest thing to Renaissance man that we have in the 21st century. Um, Sean was born in the UK but has lived most of his life between China, Mongolia and Australia. Uh, trained as a classical musician but has worked in a range of sectors including investment, finance, mining, consulting, media. Uh, he once ran um, the Ealing Studios and restored it to a sound of pristine health, real estate, energy, and also has done a fair bit of livestock wrangling in inclement weather when in Mongolia. He's currently co-director, leading the team which makes investment in social and economic development enterprises around the world, of one of the world's largest charitable foundations. He is also executive in residence at the University of Oxford Said Business School. He's a member of the British Academy of Film and TV Arts. And he served, amazingly, as Honorary Consul General in Australia for the Republic of Mongolia. He now lives, I'd like to say quietly, but it's not actually true because he charges around the world, even in times of COVID, lives in Oxford with his wife and three daughters. He is speaking this evening about the purpose of religion. Sean, over to you. Gosh, thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Steve. It sounds mad when I hear it spoken out loud like that. It's so it's a crazy. Anyway, um, it's a great pleasure to be here, and uh, uh, what a wonderful, uh, eclectic, diverse global group of uh, of of people who are here. I, I can't tell you the number of uh, new faces, but also dear friends and uh, familiar names that I see uh, with all sorts of unusual and improbable backgrounds as well. Some of you are really uh, wishing you were in different places. I can see some of these magical backgrounds. It uh, tells us a lot about where we want to be, even where, where we may not be right now, but uh, how lovely. Someone's got a whale breaching behind them there. Fantastic. Um, anyway, lovely to, uh, lovely to see you. Uh, I've got lots of books behind me. Uh, where I'm most comfortable um, here in uh, here in Oxford. So it's it's been a great uh, pleasure and an honour to uh, to speak at a few of these evenings uh, since this series began. The first one, I think there were fifteen or or, or so people on. Um, okay, if that's right, there was a, a tiny little group, and we had a lovely conversation, and uh, it was a, it was really a, a conversation. Um, by the time I'd come on, that number had had increased to 60 or 70, and I see you're now in the hundreds now, which is extraordinary. I, I reflected a while ago on what I thought might be an interesting subject to offer. Um, and I want to acknowledge that there are many on this call who are uh, deeply familiar with uh, with the Baha'i faith and with uh, you know, with its tenets and principles. <clears throat> and there are also those for whom this is a new, uh, uh, a new subject, uh, for whom we're exploring. Um, and so I, I thought I would try to pick the biggest uh, and most ambitious title and subject and theme 
that I could possibly pick. And so rather, uh, uh, you know, rather um, gamely, I think I, 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 I selected some months ago the subject of the purpose of religion. This is certainly a space for big themes, but I actually wanted to set ourselves the challenge today of taking this big idea, this big theme, clearly about as big as it gets, but to actually make it a conversation about much smaller practices and much smaller ideas. So I, my, my hope is that this evening I can talk not so much at the level of theory, but much more at the level of practice and experience uh, and share with you some aspects of what um, the purpose of religion might be as it's expressed in uh, the lives of Baha'is today as we are uh, living and uh, exploring the purpose of religion in reality around the world. And so I hope that we can have now and after the after the sort of talking part of this as we as we sort of have questions that we can try to ground this in the lived experience and the lived practice the day-to-day -day realities uh, of how the baha'i community and how baha'is as individuals are living so the good news is that we don't have to rely for an answer to the question what is the purpose of religion uh, on, on any one of us, on any individual. Luckily, the Baha'i writings give us a clear statement, a clear answer to that question. And I'm just going to take a brief breath while I try to line up the technology to do the share screening. Now, how do we do that? Accept minimal video, share the screen. Hopefully, I share the right screen and I don't share with you my Google searches for the last day, which would probably be very entertaining, but probably not the subject of tonight's talk. Let's see if that works. It's spinning around. If I press that, here we are, the purpose of religion. Excellent. <clears throat> so I'm going to use the screen to put up a series of, of quotes. And, and I, I, I'll start with hopefully. I will start with this. This quotation from Baha'u'llah. The fundamental purpose animating the faith of God and his religion is to safeguard the interests and promote the unity of the human race and to foster the spirit of love and fellowship amongst men. Now, we might start by thinking what are we might we might start by by taking a survey as it were of of other notions of the purpose of religion of that other religions have expressed that other traditions that other commentators that other sociologists and anthropologists have taken as to the purpose of religion in society but i'm not going to do that as i said i want to ground tonight's conversation in the Baha'i perspective on the purpose of religion and then in our experience as individuals. And so let's start and maybe just briefly unpack this very straightforward, perhaps, and very simple note. The fundamental purpose animating the faith of God. So the first thing I want to highlight is this reference to the faith of God in the singular and his religion. This is not a reference 
to the Baha'i faith, but rather to this notion of the changeless faith of God, this very core Baha'i principle that there is just one faith, one religion, that is the religion of God, that is the dialogue that is ongoing throughout man's history between the divine and the human manifest in these religions that have different names as, as the sun rises at different points on the horizon in the different course of the, of the seasons of the year. So these religions surface in different places and at different times in history. But this fundamental notion Baha'is referred to as progressive revelation, one of the keystones of, of Baha'i, uh, of our Baha'i belief. This idea, this beautiful passage also from Baha'u'llah, this is the changeless faith of God, he says, eternal in the past and eternal in the future. So in this short passage, we are reminded that the per fundamental purpose animating the faith of God is the same purpose for all religions at all times. This is the eternal purpose of religion. Now, is, uh, we have also a number of other elements to this, to safeguard the interests and promote the unity of the human race and to foster the spirit of love and fellowship amongst men. Is religion a spiritual phenomenon or is it a social phenomenon? Is it practical about the, 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 the ways of living, the traditions, the times of the year, the dietary things, or is it a mystical, spiritual, individual, personal um, journey of enlightenment? Of course, religion has meant all of those things. This passage says to safeguard the interests, which tells us that one of the part of the purpose of religion is about development. It's about the practical development of civilization. To promote the unity which tells us that religion is a social, has a social and structural component to it, that religion is about the social as well as interpersonal organization and development. And then to foster the spirit of love, which tells us, of course, that there is this deeply mystical, personal, individual, spiritual component to do with our own, the development of our own capacities. So in practice, what does all of that mean for Baha'is? It means that Baha'is welcome, Baha'is engage with, Baha'is respect, uh, and Baha'is can consort in fellowship with people of all faith and none, that we don't distinguish or, uh, or, or prioritize or consider ourselves to be in any way superior to others. We see all people and we hold all people with respect. It also means that Baha'is are very much engaged in the world. We're concerned with the problems and the, and the issues that our communities are dealing with. We're encouraged to, um, to, to uh, as it says in the Baha'i writing, center our deliberations on the exigencies and requirements and the needs of the age in which we live. So we're not allowed to be hermits. There is no place and, and, and space in this day and age. Baha'u'llah says, to withdraw from the world, to seek spiritual advancement. We must be deeply engaged. And in practice, Baha'is are. In practice, our communities are actively involved, both in sort of aspects of social development as well as in our own sort of spiritual practice. It tells us that Baha'is are focused on serving others rather than serving ourselves. 
Bahá'u'lláh says, man's merit lieth in service and virtue and not in a pageantry of wealth and riches. So we have in this passage, in this purpose of religion, it's the value of religion in orienting us to, uh, to, to a calling for, of service to humanity. And finally, we, we practice this, we express this in our daily lives, uh, we're in, in, the, in our own spiritual practice of daily prayer, something that Baha'is are indeed obligated to practice, that in every day we should turn to God uh, in our own way, through prayer, through meditation, through reflection. And so all of that is bound up in this, um, in this short passage that speaks to the fundamental purpose animating the faith of God. Let me give one other quote which answers the same question in a similar but different way. The object of every revelation is to affect the transformation in the whole character of mankind, a transformation that will manifest itself both outwardly and inwardly, that shall affect both its inner life and external conditions. Here, Baha'u'llah says, again, we have the object of every revelation. Again, this idea of, of the unity and the oneness of all religions. But now we have that the object of religion, the purpose of religion is transformation, is change. Religion is associated in many ways in society with the lack of change, with the uh, reinforcement of stability and of tradition. But here Baha'u'llah says, no, the purpose of religion is transformation. Transformation of the individual, and transformation of society. So both individual and societal, and both inward and outward, both spiritual and physical, which covers really those four quadrants, covers all aspects of human civilization, the personal, the social, the inner and the outer. And this relationship between the individual and our society manifest this, this deep uh, connection between uh, what Baha'is speak of as our twofold moral purpose, that we can only accomplish the development of, the, of civilization and the advancement of the world through inner transformation. And we can only develop ourselves individually and spiritually by contributing to the development of society. That manifests itself in many ways. One of the uh, most important is a deep respect and concern of course, for the environment, a subject that now is very current in the, in the discourse. There's a wonderful passage from Shoghi Effendi, a great grandson of Baha'u'llah, who said, we cannot segregate the human heart and the, from the environment outside us and say that once one of these is reformed, everything will be improved. Man is organic with the world. His inner life molds the environment and is itself deeply affected by it. The one acts upon the other, and every abiding change in the life of man is the result of these mutual reactions. So here we see that the purpose of religion is to inspire and is to catalyze that mutual change between the inner life of man and the outward environment, environment being social and environment being physical, that manifest physical environment of the world 
in which we live. So this is at a high level. This is what I said I wasn't going to do too much of, but I wanted to give the answer to the question. And so if you are listening to the video later on, you can stop now. You've got the answer. This is all you need to know. This is the good stuff. But now we come to this question as to how do we do this? And one of the things I think that, we, that the world is grappling with now more than ever before is how do we get collective action in the world? How do we get true change to take place in our societies? It's the question that everybody is grappling with. Governments are grappling with, you know, everyone at every level of society is struggling with this issue. How do we get people to transform and move together? Do we start at the grassroots? Do we start at the top? Do we change institutions and then people will change? Do we change individuals and then institute? How do we get everybody that we need? We need the planet for the planet's survival. We need everybody to change how they, how they behave, how they act, how they respect and respond to one another. How do we do that? And so what we, we have, and I want to use um, as, a, as a tool, uh, a single sentence from a letter that was written by the Universal House of Justice, the governing body of the Baha'i community uh, in 2016. Each year they write a beautiful message, um, once a year to the Baha'is of the world, many other messages during the course of the year, but each year they write an annual letter, if you like, uh, at, a, at a very important um, uh, holy day, a very important sort of time of the year for Baha'is, Rizwan. They write a message each year and in 2016, they included an extraordinary passage that took us, that talked about how the Baha'i community is operating and is working and described a series of what they called signs of progress towards the expression of the very purpose of religion itself. And that was really the starting point for tonight's talk. So I'm going to use this and I'm going to sort of show you phrase by phrase. It's a, it's, it's a single sentence. But it's a long one, believe me. I'll have to I'll have to keep it moving to get through it. It's a it's a it's a good long sentence. But what it does very beautifully is it points out a whole series of aspects of the practice of the Baha'i community today. And so, with your uh, with your permission and um, with your indulgence, I'm going to I'm going to go through. And these are there there are lots of points here that I I want to sort of share, but we'll try not to stop too long on any one. So let me go to the next page. So this, this sentence essentially says, to express the very purpose of religion itself, we must do four things. So this is rather very similar to what we've seen before. This is unpacking those four. We must foster inner transformation. We must widen the circle of unity. We must collaborate with others in the field of service. And we must help populations take charge of their own spiritual, social, and economic development. Now, we're going to come back in different ways to aspects of those four. But this is the overarching uh, thrust of this program, of expressing the purpose of religion in order to do that. So fostering inner transformation. For Baha'is, this is very practical. You know, we do this every day. We're told to begin the day and to end the day in prayer and in reflection. We're also told that work performed in the spirit of service is the highest form of worship. 
And so this inner transformation can be deeply mystical and spiritual and prayerful, and it can be extremely practical. And one of the most beautiful things that we've seen in recent months is the recognition of the importance and the value of people who do work that we may otherwise have taken for granted. Who would have thought that Amazon delivery drivers would be being applauded on national television? Really. But those who might be seen to be at the bottom of the pyramid of, of sort of uh, external hierarchies, who are doing jobs in, in, in supermarkets and other things, are being recognized for their bravery and courage and performing their work in a spirit of service to others, which the Baha'i writings say are fostering inner transformation because they are the highest expression, the highest form of worship. What does widening the circle of unity mean for Baha'is? It means that our communities are not closed in the way that many religious communities are, and indeed in the way that, that in some ways the Baha'i community was a little bit more like when I was young, when I was growing up. We don't know on this call who are Baha'is, who are not Baha'is. I've lived for many years for China and there's no formal, formal sort of uh, moment by which you, you, you are or you aren't. You're simply part of a group of people who are working toward these ideals together. And so widening the circle unity has been very practical uh, change in how the Baha'i community operates. We try not to distinguish in sharp ways between members and non-members. We're interested in working together, uh, as the third point says, to collaborate with others in the field of service. And we have very practical ways we do that through consultation and through engagement in society and in, in aspects of social development. And then finally, to help populations take charge of their own spiritual, social, and economic development. And we'll talk a lot more about that in this, uh, in, as we go through this passage. Now, the, this, this letter goes on to say, how do we do those things? We do them by simple acts of service. But simple acts of service lead to more elaborate patterns of action, which in turn demand the development of capacities still more complex. Now, to some people, you, you, you may find it strange or you may find it unusual how much there is in this conversation and how much you hear Baha'is talking about these um, aspects of community development. How do we develop capacities in our communities to do things so that we can take acts of service? And this is very sort of almost technical aspects of community organization. But it seems to me that one of the great the greatest challenges facing uh, us at this point in the 21st century is the challenge of how to build community. One of the things that, that people seem, it seems to me that society is craving so desperately is community. I see this in my own workplace. Young people come to work and they're no longer living lives that are grounded in uh, a, a close association with a religious community. They're not living lives that are grounded in deep contact with their neighbors and, their, and those who live around them. And they're not living lives that are deeply grounded in, 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 in a broad network of family relations. 
they may be commuting long distances, they may be living alone, they may be. And so the many different aspects of a community life in which they lived now find almost their only expression in the workplace. And that places huge burdens and challenges and problems in workplaces. It makes it extremely difficult. And we see work breaking down for many people. We see workers being separated from their workplace by, by zero hour contracts, by you know, gig workers, by being, but the actual nature of a workplace is being fragmented and is less and less of a community. But we also see grievances and problems and, uh, and complaints and tensions in the workplace, making that with, with so much pressure on that one community, on that one aspect of life to provide community for people. And so the challenge that Baha'i communities around the world are facing is how do we build communities? And these are some of the things we're learning about how we build communities. So now let's dive into this long message and I'll do it literally sort of phrase by phrase. This is a, a list of the signs of progress, if you remember, towards the expression of the purpose of religion itself. So the first sign of progress is an extraordinary one because we are going to draw a line in this, in this talk and we're gonna draw a line in this, in this letter from telling stories to transforming society. What, how, how do you go from individuals telling each other stories to a change in a world civilization? Well, I think this experience of the Baha'i community gives an indication of how these tiny acts of individuals lead to huge collective wing, the sort of uh, co collective change, the sort of butterfly's wing of one person telling a story to another has effects that are amplified until they become significant transformation in society. So these first three signs of progress in this letter are about what we do as individuals. What do we do as individuals to understand, to talk to others about what we do? That simple act of connecting one human to another, one soul to another, one life to another in a meaningful way. It seems from this passage and it seems from my understanding and my reading of how the, what the Baha'i community is learning is the sort of initial atomic change that is required to trigger societal change. We have to have more one-to-one -one individual meaningful con connections and, and con without that, societal change at the level of the United Nations and world peace is not possible. And so for our Baha'i community, this has begun by us gaining the confidence to share stories from the life of Baha'u'llah, from this thing that we hold so precious from our faith, with others, a seemingly sort of tiny act. And what we have been doing in our, in our communities is learning, how, learning these stories and learning how to share these stories with others. The power of one-to-one -one, uh, uh, connections. Now, the second sign of progress is the growing contingent of souls who, as a result, of these stories and of this understanding that they've gained from their friends about the implications of their faith and the implications of 
of Baha'u'llah's teachings, that they have been a growing contingent of souls who as a result have been attracted to his cause and are contributing to the achievement of his unifying vision. What this passage, what this sentence doesn't say is the growing number of people who are becoming Baha'is. It doesn't talk about, we are not, we are, as many of you will know, forbidden as Baha'is from proselytizing, from persuading and cajoling and, and, and conspiring to get people to sign up. No, what this talks about is the growing number of people who having learned about the, the, the story, the reality, the teachings, the implications of the Baha'i faith and seeing the example and the potential that it has are attracted to it and are contributing to making that vision a reality, whether they consider themselves Baha'is or not. And this focus on working together with others to create change in the world rather than working to grow the numbers of Baha'is is a, is a, is a sort of sounds maybe like a little bit of a, of a, of, of, of spin or a little bit of a sort of linguistic difference, but it's truly fundamental in the way in which a Baha'i life is led, the way in which we work in society. So we don't proselytize, but we do want to build those people in the world who are work, working towards a shared vision. Why is that so important? When the rain falls and that water, that rain is not channeled in, into irrigation, it can't truly transform the world. It spreads everywhere. It can disappear in the desert. It needs to be channeled. People need to work together. We need collective action. And so that's why we're trying to work with others towards this shared vision. In a way, it's part of what I'm doing tonight is gaining the confidence to speak to a huge group of a huge crowd that I possibly wouldn't have the confidence to speak to if you were all sitting in a room, I'd be terrified. I'm speaking to my iPad right now, which feels a lot, and I've got a little tiny K sitting there and a few other friends, it does, it's, not quite so, uh, it's not quite so terrifying. But I'm gaining the confidence as an individual to share my understanding of the implications of my experience of being a Baha'i with others in the hope that others on this call will be attracted to that and will share that vision and will want to, to, to take action outside of these calls and start working with us to, to make change real in the world. So the final one here is the ability of Baha'is and their friends at the very grassroots of the community to describe in element, eloquent terms their experience of a process capable of transforming, um, sorry, I've got the little thing is over the text, transforming character and shaping social existence. So it's not, we, it's not good enough that Baha'is might be involved in doing these things. What matters if we're going to have change in society is that we're able to share those ideas with others and learn from others. Not big advertising campaigns, not big television programs and, you know, these, that's not what this is about. This is about individual Baha'is at the grassroots to share with others, to share with others in my street as I've been doing. What are these Zoom calls that you do on the weekend? How do we do it? How are we building community? And that's what we're engaged in doing. I had an extraordinary experience uh, last year before COVID-19 where I invited a group of 12 
um, dads in in Oxford, real good, you know, solid pillars of society, to come together on a Saturday morning and study, go through a sort of six week, six Saturdays in a row to to do what we call, there's a series of books and the Institute process, Ruhi book one, to do book one together. These are lawyers and accountants and business people who wouldn't be seen dead sitting on a weekend talking about these things, but who actually were thirsty for the opportunity to talk about how to build community, how to build and change their environment for their children so their children could live in community. And so that's part of what we're doing here. That's part of the signs of progress. So here we are, the beginning of this signs of progress with tiny, tiny little butterfly wing-like actions, individuals talking to individuals about what they're doing, about how change happens, learning about what, other, what others are doing. Now, here are now a set of of um, uh, a set of other uh, other factors. There are two here in a, in a group. The first is significantly larger numbers of those indigenous to a country who, as members of Baha'i institutions and agencies, are now guiding the affairs of their communities. So there's two really important ideas here. One is that people in their own countries and their own communities are taking leadership of change. This is a fundamental idea. I work in the area of social and economic development. Um, and the Universal House of Justice wrote some years ago that social change is not a project that one group of people carries out for the benefit of the other. And yet that is exactly what social change has been throughout history. The whole process of colonialization, of the expansion of republics and empires has been exactly that. Social change as a project carried out by one group of people for the benefit of the other. We're going to civilize you. Here's our money and our technology and our wisdom and our religion and our ideas. And let's, we were, we're going to make you better. And this is the antithesis of our approach to, to this. We recognize that uh, as, as sort of recent Baha'i language has stated that people must become protagonists of their own development that only when they do that can we have true transformation. So here's another insight into what is needed for progress in the world, which is needed for us to fulfill and understand, the, to express the purpose of religion. And that is when people take control of their own destiny. And this, in this example, when those people from their own societies take leadership in those institutions, in our context as Baha'is, in the Baha'i institutions, and guide the affairs of their own communities. I gave an interview to a, to, a, to a chap who was doing a book on change and billionaires and how they do it. And I mentioned this social change is not a project. To, I mentioned this to him in the course of the, of the sort of what I thought was a background interview. And I found that that passage ended up on the front cover of the book, on the you know, inside cover of the book, um, as the sort of governing thought for the book that he wrote about this change. And what he saw was the huge contradiction between that vision and the reality of how social change takes place as it happens when it's led by wealthy um, philanthropists um, uh, and philanthropic organizations, such as the one I work for. That's another, another talk for another evening. 
So here's another sign of progress in this, you know, the reliable, generous, and sacrificial giving to the Baha'i Fund, so vital for sustaining the advancement of the faith. Now, you know, this is a, this is a, a fascinating aspect of the expression of our, of our belief in our ideals, is that we don't just talk about them, we don't just do them, but we express them with all the resources that we have, including our financial resources. Now, that ability to give and contribute to the Baha'i funds is actually one that is a privilege for Baha'is and one only allowed to Baha'is. So Baha'is are very, we are uh, in practice very careful not to, um, you know, that, that we don't place uh, the finances of these, of these things, of these grassroots activities before the importance of those individuals taking them up and leading them. And we're certainly not about trying to sort of raise money as the primary thing. In fact, only Baha'is contribute, and they contribute um, uh, anonymously and individually and generously as they, as they choose and as they desire. But it is one of the signs of progress in this letter of our understanding of, the, of how we can express the purpose of religion when we realize that economic activity is not of intrinsic value. It's only an instrumental value. Economic development, economic growth, money, any of these things is, are only of value to the extent that they result in the improvement of civilization around us. And so one way in which we express that understanding is by our individual ability to contribute to the, the funds that allow Baha'i communities around the world to pursue these, these projects and this work. So now the next set of things are all about a type of activity that's, that's taking place in our Baha'i communities, which are to do with how we build community. The first is the unprecedented efflorescence of individual initiative and collective action in support of community building activities. To me, this is fascinating because it says, we have all these institutional things that take place, but none of that is possible unless individuals begin things, start things. This Fireside series with 125 people on it wasn't something that was dreamed up within a meeting somewhere by clever people who did a focus group and said, you know what we need during COVID-19, we need a, this was an individual initiative by a few friends who were on this call who said, let's have some friends over on a Sunday night on a Zoom call and, uh, and, and start talking about things that matter and see how this has triggered collective action and what a community in and of itself that is being built here on this call. And so it seems to me this call is an example um, of one of this unprecedented efflorescence of individual initiative and collective action. Individuals doing things, bringing others along, people working together. The next example is the enthusiasm of so many selfless souls and who in the prime of their youth are bringing vigor, notably by tending to the spiritual education of younger generations. No society can develop if its youngest, if its youngest members, if the next generation is not developed and nurtured. And so the Baha'i community in practice, uh, in every community that I can think of, puts huge priority on the development of, of the character and the spiritual education of younger generations. We are thankfully in, society, in a society that for many, if not by no means all, but and certainly nowhere near as as, as much as it should, 
but at least we are living in a society that relative to many in the world provides material education to young people. As I say, I'm not uh, an apologist for the, the gaps or the, or, the, or the improvements that are possible in that. But here, the Baha'i community is particularly concerned with the spiritual education of younger generations who are not left helpless and hopeless. And so we put continue, considerable effort and energy into that. The enhancement of the devotional character of a community through regular gatherings for worship. Man does not live by bread alone. We have to tend to the inner life of our communities. They need this. And so part of the sign of progress that we are understanding the purpose and expressing the purpose of religion is when we link individual active uh, individual initiative and collective action. When we're concerned with the younger generation, when we're concerned with the spiritual life of our communities, and when more and more people are engaged in organization and practical things. We don't have a special group of people. We don't have a priestly class. We don't have an administrative class in the Baha'i community. There aren't certain people who do certain jobs in us. We are all collectively as Baha'is responsible for the organization of our own community. We're all participants in that. We're all eligible to be elected onto these institutions and participate and contribute. And so the more people that are involved in organization of our own affairs, even in small groups or large groups, that's a sign that we are understanding the purpose and expressing the purpose of religion. So now we have a group of four that speak to some of the things that we are learning about the process of this. So not just the sort of day-to-day -day activities, but how do these things work together? And the first of this is an observation that we are understanding better the sign of one of the signs of progress towards expressing the purpose of religion is the ability of institutions, agencies, and individuals to think in terms of process. So not to think in terms of did we do this or didn't we do that? What has happened? What is not happening? But think about, are we engaged? Are we doing things in a way that is allowing ourselves to understand the reality, to read their immediate reality, to assess their resources, and to make plans on that basis? So this is fascinating. This is not saying the Baha'i community is going to be doing well when it has 5,000 of this and one of that. and two. It says the Baha'i community is understanding the purpose of religion when we understand how people work together, when we develop the skills of people at every level of society to do these things, reading reality, assessing resources and making plans on that basis, that sounds like a course at a business school. That sounds like something that companies or bosses or, or, or social planners are responsible for. I don't want to know about that. That doesn't sound like something that bothers me. Well, as a Baha'i, this is a capacity that I'm expected to develop and my little community here in Oxford is expected to develop because unless all of us build those skills across the world in villages and you know, mountains and, and cities, we won't be able to get collective change. It says that actually societal progress is not possible unless everybody takes responsibility and we all develop these capacities. And that's extraordinary program of change for billions and billions of people on the planet. Now, one of the things the Baha'i community is learning about is this dynamic. What the House of Justice says is now familiar, but familiar to Baha'is, of different types of activity, of study, 
where we try to build our knowledge and skills, of consultation, a practice, a very specific Baha'i practice where we come together and we talk and we discuss and we, we, we make decisions collectively together, of action, actually getting out there, doing something, making something change, and then of stepping back and reflecting. Once again, this sounds like something that you could pick up in a, in a sort of, it sounds like something that's, that's useful for planners, that this is how our Baha'i communities and little tiny groups in all across the world are learning to work. Not, not in a sort of, you know, I have to say, not in a very sort of self-conscious way, but when you step back and you look at what we've been doing, you realize, goodness, we're doing that. And sometimes when we study together, sometimes when we talk and we consult, sometimes when we do something, sometimes when we reflect. And so that's becoming just a natural part of how communities work. And when they do, they develop what, what here is described as an instinctive posture of learning, not a sort of, oh my God, let's sit down and study this and commission a report from someone and publish a 20 page report and then we'll know the answer, but a way of behaving that allows us to conscience, constantly be learning, constantly be absorbing and reflecting and changing and modifying our behavior. So it says until that type of activity takes place amidst billions of people across the world, we won't be able to advance civilization. We won't be able to see the potential of religion. And now we have, um, uh, yes, yeah, so a couple more points, the mounting appreciation for, now here's a, a series of different aspects of our involvement as Baha'is. The first is, the mounting appreciation for what it means to give effect to the teachings through social action. So we talked earlier on about how this transformation is not just internal, it's also external, that it isn't let's all get together and live in lovely communities and sing songs and be happy and be spiritual, and then somehow the problems of the world will resolve themselves and people will have enough food and enough... No, even our communities as they express as they one of the signs of progress towards understanding the purpose of religion is that we understand the need for practical social action change is required in communities now that may look very different in Botswana than it does in South Oxfordshire the type of social actions required may be very different and yet which one of us doesn't recognize the gaps in in society the gaps and the problems whether it's homelessness whether it's mental health whether it's disability whether it's whatever these things are the in the need for communities to come together to support those members of society through in practical ways and so this connection this translation of our theoretical and spiritual and sort of um, appreciation of the faith and translation into social action is what is being spoken about here. But change in society doesn't just happen by doing stuff. It also happens through convert, through the way in which we speak and learn. And so Baha'is are also encouraged to participate in discourses prevalent in society and to offer a Baha'i perspective in those discourses. Change happens in the world through ideas as well as action. There isn't a sort of a focus on one or the other as the only mode. And so we have to be engaged both in social action and in participating and sharing our own individual understanding in these discourses. I've doubled up on that one. There we go. 
I did it last time. I've done it again. Here we go. We've doubled up that page. Lovely. Well, those were twice. And now we come to the end of this. And at the end of this long sentence, so believe me, this was all one sentence till now. One of these final signs of progress is the awareness of a global community, in this case, the community of Baha'is and all of those who are working and sharing its goals, that in all its endeavors, it is hastening the emergence of divine civilization by manifesting the society building power inherent in the cause. We believe that the purpose of religion is transformation in the inner and outer life of mankind, nothing short of the advancement of civilization. And if we look honestly back in history, we can see, although we don't see these processes, we never had these kind of breakdown of all the ways in which this took place. But if we look back in history, we can see that each of these religions has over a thousand years transformed society in, in extraordinary ways. And so this is part of the, of the role of religion. This is what religion is for, is to move civilization forward. And so what we are called on to do is not just to be part of some big process of history that takes place and thousands of years later people will write about it, but to be conscious of it now, to be conscious and aware that we are part of a process in little ways of leading to great social, uh, to, 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 to civilizational change. So we've gone from telling stories to transforming society. And this passage from the Universal House of Justice ends by saying that their efforts to foster inner transformation, this is what we began with, to widen the circle of unity, to collaborate with others in the field of service, to help populations take charge of their own spiritual, social, and economic development, all very practical things that we've, I've been describing today that Baha'is are doing in their daily lives. Through such efforts to bring about the betterment of the world, this expresses the purpose of religion of itself. So I hope that this has been useful in trying to take a seemingly simple idea, the purpose of religion, a big question, admittedly, and to show the myriad of ways in which really truly I think one of the great problems in, in today, which is what do I as an individual have to do with change in the world? How can, what can I do in my daily, is there anything I can do that has any effect that changes? And I think that what I feel, one of the great gifts I feel um, of my understanding and my study of the Baha'i faith is this confidence no matter what is happening in these huge fora in the political realm in the governments in the elections in all of this but i am able to take action in my life to do things in my community that does have a meaningful contribution and is directly ultimately connected to advancing civilization and that's hugely important to me as an individual so i'll i'll end there um, and uh, I hope on time at nine o'clock and hand back to, uh, to Steve as chair and over to, uh, to the group.